Amen. Well, if you go to the book of Acts, uh, where we were just reading, the book of Acts, uh, chapter 27, the last verse that we did, uh, Brother Hopper read was, and we were in all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. So there's a lot of people that were on this ship. Verse 41, if you look down at verse 41 now, it says this, it says, and falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves, and the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land, and the rest, some on boards, and some on broken pieces of ship. And so it came to pass, and this is so crucial, that they escaped all safe to land. Amen. And let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Holy Spirit of God, guide my mind, my thoughts. Lord, I thank you again for the opportunity to preach your word. But Holy Spirit, I need your presence. I need your guidance. I need your strength. Lord, it's... Uh, Seems like there's been a whole lot going on in a lot of people's lives. Lord, I pray that you please just right now settle my mind, settle my heart. And Lord, uh, just clear, give me clarity of mind that I can speak with simplicity. And it be understood clearly. So Spirit of God, you give understanding. So I need your presence, your power to speak through me this morning. Spirit of God, please bless as we yield to thee in Jesus' name. Amen. We this um is a is a very amazing, wonderful passage of scripture. But I truthfully, you know, I went most of the week. I, this is not where I was planning on going. Not not exactly. I had some thoughts where I blended into this. But I was uh, for a few minutes yesterday. It was a pretty busy day yesterday, Friday and Saturday, and uh, be praying for. The Hanson family, of course, they, they're not really, you know, it's the different, the kids now, uh, you know, uh, but anyway, they, they um, uh, got some things and they were hauling back home, you know, we finished packing Friday and then they finished up, I think, Saturday and they were taking off. Uh, they called this morning and, and uh, the, the trailer uh, had a flat on it over in Blytheville, Arkansas, and so they're probably trying to get back here i haven't heard and and uh and maybe i've got a message on my phone or whatever uh if somebody has their number miss why don't you text her i'm not sure they know my address uh you got them they what okay giving them instructions all right uh, i think they're coming to my house and so somebody also remind my wife that we'll probably have people for lunch uh so I tell her because I, I never could find her this morning, and she's still not in here. But, but uh, so pray for them as they're trying to make their way back. I and mean, it's pretty much of a mess to be trying to get things fixed and get things moving. Then also, Mrs. Foster and the, the Foster family, Mrs. Foster's sister-in-law passed away yesterday, and uh, and they came in this morning, and we had a little prayer time, and and she's gone to gone back to take care of some things, and so. Uh, uh, just being much in prayer for them is uh, she was very heartbroken. She was much in tears, and but you know, fortunately, I saw her come in, and we were able to have a little bit of prayer time in here, and so that's that was a blessing. But 
Oh, it's a, I, was, I was talking to my, my dad yesterday, and, and, uh, and I mentioned to him this morning, I said, you know, you, I'm going to preach the message you gave me yesterday. And so I was talking to him, and he mentioned reading about Paul and the, and the ship and, uh, and how they lost the ship because they just wouldn't listen to Paul. And we were sitting there talking, and he said, you know, and, and the only way he can say it, you know, he said, you know, so he said, you know, he said they lost everything just because we wouldn't listen. And I thought, as soon as I, I mean, as soon as he said that, I thought, okay, Lord, here we go, here we go. So get ready, folks. It's my dad's fault. Amen. And I, and it's the perfect time to be talking about that boat. And I, I'd be telling you, everybody better grab a, a board and whatever you can get because that's about the way you're gonna get back to your car today. It looks like, but. Thank God we're on a hill. And, um, but at that moment, I knew my ser- sermon was going to be a little bit different than I was planning. So I was preparing this message for Sunday, and I took t- time. That, you know, so I, I went, and, and as I was sitting there, and I talked to him, and then I went to uh, uh, sit down. Then I started getting different messages from my children. And, and, and I, I took time to, to listen to two of my daughters speak at a ladies' conference. Uh, you know, I mentioned that earlier. Uh, two of them were speaking in, in New Jersey at the conference, and uh, at that same time, my wife was spin- finishing speaking in her second conference in two days, and, and as I was, I was listening to them and listening to what God was doing uh, through my daughters, through my wife, it was such a blessing to my heart. And then I, I spoke to my wife, and she said, uh, she said one of the pastor's wives told, told her that she was so blessed by a daughter of ours because so many second-generation Christians are struggling, but it blessed her to see and know our daughter was on fire for the Lord. And I'm not using names by, you know, for a reason, but she said it was, it was so good to know that some of them are getting it. And, you know, I don't know what you, if you, you know, if you were a dad and you're, you're hearing these things, how would, you, how would you feel right now? And I felt like my chest was just kind of explode. I was so happy. Uh, she said it's good to know that some of them are getting Another daughter was with her children at a youth conference where one of my grandsons surrendered to preach the gospel. Another was with her sons, and she, she wrote and showed us pictures of, of how they were fighting all of a sudden in just moments at, at an absolute infestation of flying ants there in Africa. And uh, she showed us video and pictures where the entire house and her furniture and everything was covered uh, with these ants, and, and, uh, and all of her five boys were out there killing them. And I said, thank God you got boys because this is, a, this is great for them. They're just having a great time running around there killing all these ants. And she showed pictures where they had piles of these dead ants that they had killed and, and, uh, and all that while they're trying to prepare for their Sunday services in the village. And the question came to me then, going from what Dad had spoken to me about and what God had already put on my heart, and then these things were just kind of snowballing in my heart and mind. The question uh, that I'd like to answer today from this passage is how has this happened for people like us? The scripture says, now when much time was spent and was sailing was now dangerous because the fast was, was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, listen to this, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. That's everybody in this place is getting some kind of warning right now. Uh, if it's a tornado warning, tell me that. Otherwise, uh, uh, are we okay, everybody? 
Okay. All right. Paul did, yeah. Every one of us has chosen to listen to someone. Every one of us has chosen some philosophy of life. And you know where we got that philosophy of life? It's by somebody that we listen to. Somebody has influenced us, and we decided to trust that somebody along the way. Everybody in this room, and, and you know, people say, I'm a self-made man. There's no such thing. Everybody is a product of influence. And there's my wife, Joe Beth. We're probably going to have people for lunch. Okay, so, uh, and we may be staying overnight. So, uh, okay, God bless you. Okay, now, I got to take care of that or I'll forget it. Amen. And so, but everybody in here has been influenced by somebody. And look, to, to, to an extent where that philosophy, their philosophy has become our philosophy. Everyone has chosen to listen to someone. Whatever or whoever we chose determines the path that we will walk and the way in which we will walk that path. We listen to somebody. This passage, listen to this now. This passage does not tell us if the master of the ship or the captain or the sailors were believers or not. I want you to realize that. It doesn't get that specific. It does not tell us whether these were Christians. Now, we, we think and we, we always just kind of assume that everybody outside, you know, if they're going to take Paul as a prisoner, then they probably are non-believers. But we really don't know that. We don't know that all the soldiers are non-believers. We don't know that the captain is. We don't know that the centurion is. We don't know uh, that the master of the ship is. We're not sure who we're dealing with. We assume that they are uh, not, uh, they're not Christians simply because of the path of life they've chosen and the decisions that they made. Now, I want you to understand that statement. By, by the path of life we choose and the decisions we make, people will determine or think whether we are a Christian or not. Do you understand what I'm saying? People look at our walk of life and where we're heading and the decisions we're making, and they determine whether we are a Christian or not. Now, it doesn't determine whether we're a Christian or not, but they determine in their minds whether we are or not. Now, many a Christian, listen to this now, many a Christian still listens to the world's captain. Many a Christian listens to the world's captain for advice and direction. Many a Christian listens to the psychologists about how to rear their children. We're Christians, but we run to the psychologist about how to rear our children. We run to Dr. Spock about how to rear our children. Many a Christian listens to the world and the liberal about our children's education. You know, for years, preachers like me have been saying that our state colleges and universities have been our bastions for liberality and for liberals. Bent on indoctrination of socialism and anti-Christianity. This is what we've been saying for years, for 20 years, more than 20 years. I've been preaching this because I said, I saw it, I'm watching it, I'm seeing it coming, and, and watch this. And now, look, all of a sudden, the conservative secular world and even some uh, liberal Christians uh, are now recognizing that we have a ser- serious problem in our university. Watch this, so serious that the university in California is, it won't allow you to come speak if you're a conservative. Now, I'm not saying you got to agree with me politically. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about freedom of speech. And I'm talking about a liberal world that's out there, and here we are. We think, uh, that, that, 
Look, some of us, if, even right sitting in this room, if our, if our child got a scholarship to, to Berkeley, we'd think, oh, that'd be wonderful. But it's an indoctrination. Many a Christian allows drinking, foul language, and adultery into their homes through TV. Why? And here's the reason. Not because, I'm not attacking anybody here, and I know this. You know, I, I say this often. I don't preach Sunday, normal Sunday morning messages, so just get ready. But many Christians, they, they, we allow things that are our home just because the world's philosophy had told us that there's nothing wrong with it. It's just TV. It's just a movie. No, it's adultery. It's drunkenness. It's addiction. It's fornication. It's nudity. It's sin. It's just what it is. It's sin. Now, why? Because we've listened to the world's captain say that there's nothing wrong with it. Many a Christian listen to the world's music and at best has changed the words to simply to be seemingly spiritual because the world's captain says there's nothing wrong with it. Even, listen to this now, and, and, and even the importance of church, and I want to say oh, thank every one of you. You came out on a, a horribly rainy day. Uh, but even the importance of church, the world has relegated church to something you do on the weeks you do not have something better to do. If anything that comes up, and I've said this before down here in the, the south, if, we, if there is if a family reunion, they're going to have it on Sunday morning. And watch this. Here's what we say. Family reunion is more important. If we have a ball game that, that's going to be on on Sunday, that's, that ball game becomes more important. If we have a child that's playing in some game, in some baseball or some football, and, it, and they're going to play it on Sunday morning or their game is at, at 1 o'clock, so we got to travel and we got to be there, that becomes more important than church. Now, watch this now. What you're teaching your children and everybody you influence is that everything else is more important than God. Why do we do this? Because the captain tells us it's more important. But God says Sunday is the, is the Lord's day, not the company's day. Right. I'm going to just give you a little bit of hint. We got some you know, young adults in here. Things that I, I'm just something that you may want to address, may want to understand. You may be at the point where you're making decisions about your work ethics and things. But let me just help you. Sunday is still God's day. And, and I'm going to just be honest with you, the, the, you know, primarily, I believe that's, that's Sunday morning. I believe that, that the, we don't have time to go on to it, but, but I believe Sunday morning is absolutely vital. I believe the whole day is, is very vital, but I'm just saying that I think Sunday morning is absolutely vital. But I want you to understand this. If you go to a job and you say to that job, I don't want to work on Sunday, they say, why? Well, I go to church on Sundays, and I just don't believe I'm supposed to work on Sunday. Watch this now. When you go to that job... And you, you start there. Now, legally, they cannot make you, they agree, they cannot make you work on Sunday. You understand that? If they let you go because that you won't work on Sunday, uh, truthfully, you know, we don't do this in, in Christian's realm, really, but, but you have a, a suit. You have a lawsuit against them. You have a just, I mean, a just reason to go against them. We don't do that. But, but I'm just telling you that, that it's there because they cannot force you to go against your religious beliefs. But watch this now. If you go out there and, you, and they come to you and say, man, hey, we just got to have you this one Sunday. You know what we're going to do? We're going to give you triple pay. When you work that one Sunday, you've lost all your rights. 
They can now demand that you work every Sunday. And you say, no, no, we agreed. <laughs> They're going to look at you and laugh. Because it wasn't a conviction, it was a convenience. Now, why do we get in this trouble? We listen to the world's captain. Because most of our life, we've been taught that the captain is the, is the most educated the captain, and I'm talking to you, when I talk about the captain, the master of the ship, and what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about is the world's philosophy that reigns. See, this, this world right now, the prince and power of the air rules and reigns in this world right here. And the, the captain, uh, because of most of our life, we've been taught that the captain is the most educated, he's superior, the, the most talented, the most successful, and anyone who does not listen to him is ignorant and weak. The captain of education, the captain of morals, the captain of priorities, the captain of religion, the captain of reason, the captain of the world. We have listened to them so long that we actually, listen to this now, we actually think that we are making the decisions. Here's what it comes down to. We come to a point and we just say, I don't see anything wrong with this, and I don't see anything wrong with this, and I don't see anything wrong with this, and we think we're making that decision. We're not. We're not. It's the captain that has influenced us. He made that decision for us. He told us what to think. I spent five years at the University of Memphis State back then. You know, in five years, they were trying to tell me what to think. The only reason I survived that thing is, is because my name was Hooker, and we don't let nobody tell us what to think. <laughs> no. Our desires have changed, but we're still following the captain. Here's what we, we think we're making a decision. We think, sometimes we think it's a spiritual decision since, watch us now, here's how we rationalize it. We're now a Christian, so the decision we make must be a spiritual decision. It must be a spiritually right decision. No, folks, I'm trying to get through to you. We got to check what are we really being influenced by. Even though we're saved right now, what's influencing us? Who's really speaking in our heads? Who's really telling us that this is okay? Why do we listen to the captain? Because it sounds right since it's all we've ever heard and done. You know what? This is the path we walk because it's the only path we've ever known. If you said, I need something different, listen to this. If, if you, one day in your life, one day in your marriage, one day in your, just your, your existence, you said, I need something different. If you've ever said, I'm tired of fighting, or I'm tired of being depressed, or I'm tired of waking up with a headache, or I'm tired of being in debt, or I'm tired of failing, or I'm tired of getting nowhere, I'm tired of this emptiness, listen to this great truth, this incredible truth. If you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always got. So if you keep, you can just come forward and you can make a profession of faith, you can get baptized. But if you walk out and continue to do what you've always done in your life, you're going to continue to get what you always got. How y'all doing? We've been growing here lately and I'm trying to shut that down. Please open your heart and receive this truth. God gives wisdom the wisdom that the world does not understand. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7 says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom, listen to this, but your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world nor the princes of this world that come to naught. Listen to this. There is a wisdom out there, and they think they're so wise, and they've been permeating our minds. They've been saturating our minds. They've been filling our minds and telling us what to think, telling us how to think, telling us the decisions to make, telling us how to live, and watch what the Scripture says. Their wisdom comes to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. God says, I'm bringing glory to your life. Uh, and, and I, again, don't have time to explain it. Four reasons we, we continue to live as we've always lived. I'm going to give you just four, and it's not absolute, but four reasons. Uh, we continue to live as we always live. To, and we continue to go where we've always gone to do what we've always done, even though it never brought us peace, happiness, success that we so desire. But we still go there. Number one, we have walked this path so long that we know it well. And we feel, listen to this, we feel now that we're Christian that we can change the outcome of the, of the path by walking the path a little differently. Listen, the path's going to lead you to the same destination no matter how you walk it. You may clean yourself up, but if you're still walking the path of the captain, you're still going to be in shipwreck. Number two, we desire the path where it is comfortable to us, but comfort does not equate to peace, happiness, and spiritual success. You see, they, they, they wanted to stay there because it was, uh, they wanted to leave because it was not commodious. It was not a comfortable place to stay. But Paul said, stay. We follow the path because the world, number three, we follow the path because the world has taught us that to deviate from their path is the path of ignorance. It's amazing how they want to make us all out to be ignorant fools because we believe in God. It's amazing how they want to portray us uh, that we have no education, we have, we have no ability to think, we are just drones that are following after some created being, that we created God in our image. God didn't create us in his image. We created God in our image because we're weak-minded and we needed God. Number four, we follow the captain to follow the path because the path of God's wisdom brings ridicule and mocking from the world and worldly Christians. We don't want to walk the path of the Christian path. Again, I, I, I thank God I got one of, my, one of my daughters, and again, anybody that knows them probably know which one it is, but I got one of my daughters that she just, she'll just tell them right, right out. I mean, she, she uh, uh, you know, we believe you dress a little bit different. We believe that you should look a little different. And, and some environments, you know, people are going to look at you a little strange. Some environment, you know, women, especially women, are so bad. You know, you women don't even hide it when you're checking out another woman. <laughs> Do you understand that? You just look, and, and you show whether you approve or not. Do you understand that? You just look, and it's like, oh, wow. Or it's like, what in the world? <laughs> it's amazing. Now, when my daughter dresses like a Christian, and she says, you know, it humbles you, and, but it also brings out her fight. When they look at her like that, she just looks at it and says, hey, why don't you try this? Why don't you take a look? At, you know, she, she just gets a little bit of fight. You know, and every once in a while, I think, you know, that's good. We ought to have just a little bit of fight in us. I don't care what they think. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. I smile, but I don't care. The, um, 
So we trust the captain. The captain says we sail the path of prosperity. Listen to this now. Here's what the captain offers out. He says, Here, my path is a path of prosperity. We, uh, my path is to sail the path of success. My path is to sail the path of human reasoning. You see, they say prosperity, for if we don't sail, we don't get paid. That's why he was sailing. Hey, man, I got money invested in here. I don't care if you lose your life. You got to go. Uh, success, because nothing venture, nothing gains. Success comes when we succeed and are prosperous. And if we don't sail, we don't succeed and we're not prosperous. And number four, human reasoning. For to stay, the port is not comfortable or commodious. We will sail and find more pleasure, more enjoyment, more comfort if we just go ahead and go for it. But there's another voice, another choice, the voice of Paul, the voice of God that has spoken to Paul. And I want you to just understand a little bit, folks. I I don't say this very often, but you know, I believe God called me to this place. I believe God called me into the ministry about 37 years ago. I believe God called me to use me for him. And watch this. I walk, I pray, I beg God to speak to me. And can I tell you, the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. And you know what he does? He teaches me. And listen to me as a pastor, as a shepherd of the sheep. I'm supposed to lead my sheep to good grass. I'm supposed to lead them and teach them. So believe it or not, I know when you're headed to danger because the shepherd knows when his sheep are in danger. And I don't say this very much. I don't want people to think I think I'm somebody. I don't talk this way very much. But bless God, God brought me here not just to make a place where you enjoy coming, but a place of protection, a place of shelter, a place where somebody stands up and says, you're headed to destruction. You get on that boat, you're going to die. He warns them, don't follow the path that your wisdom has chosen. Don't follow the captain who's driven by prosperity and success and human reasoning. Don't sail with that captain. A simple directive, don't go where you're going. Don't go the way you're going. Destruction lies ahead. Please stop going that way. You know, and every once in a while, we've got to say that. And listen to me. You may have said, I want to serve God. But listen, if you don't, if you, right now, you follow the path that the world has given, which means you watch everything they throw in front of you on that TV, I'm going to just tell you, that's a pathway to destruction. I'm not saying you can't watch anything on that. I'm just telling you, you better be careful. You better be careful what you let into your mind. You better be careful what you let into your eyes. You better be careful because what comes into your ears and your mind and your eyes goes into your heart and it rots your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the man speaketh. And from the heart, man, uh, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Destruction lies ahead. Please don't stop going that way. This is, this is descriptive of the ministry. I spend my life pleading and i have for for 35 years i've been spent my life pleading that we don't go that way pleading with young people especially don't go that way that we don't believe the world that we don't believe the world's success uh, and, and then we understand that the world's success is not really success the world's prosperity is not prosperity the world's pleasure is not lasting and the world's reason and the world's wisdom is not god's wisdom and therefore it's not good yet some have traveled the path so long that they are drawn to it instinctively 
the world, the flesh, and the devil, friends, family, pulled them back to the path of life that has brought them heartache, divorce, fear, loneliness, addictions, bitterness, drunkenness, and ungodliness. And all the while, like I said, on that ship, we don't know who's Christians, who's not, but they're still all following the captain. Following the captain when the man of God said, don't go. He didn't say you could never go. He just said, don't go now. The answer is simple this morning. Listen to spiritual wisdom. Paul said to the centurion, to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Finally, somebody, a centurion, decided to listen. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that you have tarried and continued fasting and have taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray for you to take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. Can I tell you, human reasoning would say he's crazy. We've run aground. Ships breaking up. Two hundred something people. And you really think all of them are going to get to shore safe? Many of them who can't even swim. Do you think it's good human reasoning to cut the boat away that's going to give you to safety? But Paul said, you, you drop, you get in that boat, you're going to die. Now, the truth is, the key, he says, when they listened to Paul, he said, in the, he said, Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first in the sea and get to the land the rest some on boards and some on broken pieces of ship and so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land that's my dream to get everybody safe to land that's what I was my dream for my family my dream for these Almost 40 years. Is that I'd get them all safe to land. That God would speak to me and I would take what he told me and I would teach them. And I'd get them all safe to land. When I got saved there were two great voices that called to me. The wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. For several years, I struggled and found myself being pulled back into the world of prosperity, success, and reason. A better job and more money would make me happy. More possessions and a promotion, nicer things, and the approval of man would make me successful. I must change jobs. I must get a raise. I must get things. I must have better. I must have a nicer car, a nicer house, a bigger salary, a greater position, and then I'd be happy. I found this path never brings success, for it is an endless journey of seeking. But then I found God's plan. Prosperity is when God, when the Lord maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it. And the rich, the riches that he's talking about is not all money. Success was living my life for God and seeing my children walk with God. I traded human reason for God's Wisdom, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with a demonstration of spirit and power. I could have stayed on the path I was on. I would have been saved, but my life and my marriage and my children were headed for destruction on the ship that I was on. 
I could, have, I could as, as, as a saved man, continue to do what I'd always done as a lost man. But I was going to get what I'd always gotten. And what I'd always gotten was hopelessness. Joe Beth and I decided to take a less used path, that path that only God has. And I'll be honest with you, most people didn't want that path. Most people misunderstood the path that we chose. But we found a life of rejoicing. 2 Corinthians 1.12 says, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we had our conversation. That means our behavior in the, in the world and more abundantly toward you. He said, I, 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 I gave my life to God. And he said, and you saw my behavior that it was for God. This path prepared Amber to stand and testify of the goodness of God and the loss of her husband. For Heather to testify of the goodness of God as she left her beautiful home to live in an inner city row house. For Candace to testify of the goodness of God each day for her son endures a lifetime affliction. As Tara testifies of the goodness of God even though she was told five years ago she could not have a child and now has been told again she'll probably never have another. As Brooke testifies of the goodness of God as she lives where poisonous snakes and flying ants and poisonous spiders come into her house on a regular basis. As Ashley testifies of the goodness of God as she faces each day with the reality that her husband has a rare and little-known heart condition that takes the life of 80% of the people who have it. The world would call none of them prosperous or success in the world's reasoning, but they are all blessed beyond measure. Blessed with hope, with faith, with love, with promise. My question is, when will we stop doing what we've always done in the world and realize God has a different path? And I'm not talking about repaving the world's path. I'm talking about walking a new path. Who do we choose to listen to? Paul, the preacher directed by the word of God. Or the captain controlled by the world's prosperity, success, and reason. Everyone listens to someone. The question comes this morning, who are you listening to? As I look around this room, unless somebody's just in struggling and doubt of their salvation, I think as I look across, I think most everybody that I'm looking at has made some sort of profession of their salvation. And maybe God had me have this on a Sunday morning because everybody that was going to be here is going to have that profession. Now, I'm not going to, look, if you've got doubt in your heart, please don't live with that. That's the world's wisdom. The world tells you that you can't know. But I'm telling you, God says you can. Who are you going to believe? But this is for us, for Christians. And way too long, Christians all over, especially America, it's not so much like this in other countries that I've been to, especially third world countries. They kind of comprehend. Like one man that got saved over in Africa, and after he got saved, he he got saved one night, and the next morning he was, early in the morning, he was at a friend's house, and he had a watch, and that friend looked and said, what do you want? And He held that watch out, and the man said, I recognize that. That's my watch. I lost that about five years ago. And the saved man said, no, you didn't lose it. 
I got saved last night. And I had to bring this back because I stole this from you. You know, when we get saved, God said, you've been walking this path your whole life. And how you doing? How's it going? People in wreck and ruin and messed up and divorce and alcohol and drugs and sex. and But that's the norm of life. On this path that I walk, I watch it all day. I watch it late at night. I look at it on the computer. I watch the movies. I do that. I listen to the music that talks about it. I do. And, and, and you know, it's norm. The world tells me it's norm. Everybody does this, right? Just what everybody does, right? So I walk this path. But you're a Christian now. Now you walk this path, guess where it's going to lead? I had a book one time about this thick. I'm not sure if I still got it in my library. You know, we've made so many moves, but it's about that thick. It's about this big. And each page had about a paragraph or so about a person. And you know what it was? It was all the rock musicians who had died under the age of 29. That thick. Three or four per page. And you know what you talk to? Even Christians heading down that path. There's nothing wrong with this path. They tell me there's nothing wrong with it. Well, how come so many people die in that path? You pump your mind with sensuality, guess what? You're going to end up in immorality. I'm sorry, that's where you're going to end up. But God says there's another path over here. No, you don't repave that path. You don't try to clean that path up. No, he says you've got to walk a different path. That's it. Different one. You either trust the captain or you trust the man of God. And you say, well, I'm not going to trust any man. You're not. Paul was speaking what God had told him. And watch this. I'm going to just be honest with you. God don't speak to me that way. He doesn't have to. What I preach to you is what God has told us. There's an amazing thing my dad said to me. I didn't really know how to respond to it, but he, he was telling me what he had gotten out. He said this. He said, I got this. You know, as he said, Book of John. He said, you know, the Book of John's easy to read and, 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 and you understand it more than you do some of the others. And I said, yes, some of them get a little bit difficult. He said, but I, you know, I got this out of it. He said, no, I don't get what you get out of it. And he didn't probably have any idea about how much that blessed me that, that my daddy realizes that I'm seeking this book so that I can get how I can walk the path, but as a shepherd of the sheep, how I can lead the flock to walk that same path. But it's not my wisdom. I don't want my wisdom. I've got to have God's wisdom. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Father, I pray that you bless. I know this has been a little bit...